welcome to Rich in Relationship. And we are going to talk about men, women, and children. Everyone's favorite topic, right? But not just men, women, and children. We're going to talk about really what does it mean to have masculine qualities? What does it mean to have feminine qualities? And how do we find a balance between these qualities so that we can be relevant to our children? And why am I bringing this up? I can't tell you how many men come to me feeling excluded from their children's lives in some way, shape, or form, either as active parents in a working marriage or as parents in the divorce process. Men in particular feel very disconnected from their children. So why is it? Why is it that the men have this experience? It has to do with qualities of, that men and women share and misunderstandings we have about how to tap those qualities. So let's roll this conversation back and let's get started with this basic principle of psychology and humanity. Everyone has within them masculine and feminine qualities, all right? They have their masculine side and their feminine side. How do we know that? Because we tend to be raised by people with masculine and feminine qualities. And so we internalize that. And what does that mean? Does that mean that men are more masculine and women are more feminine? Not necessarily. And actually what we're finding in the whole gender explosion that's going on is that there are plenty of men who are deeply in touch with their femininity. And there are plenty of women who are deeply in touch with their masculinity. In fact, so much so that they identify themselves as men or that men who identify themselves as, as women in a man's body. Now, how much that has to do with masculine and feminine, I'm gonna leave that to those experts. But the point I'm making is we all have that. We all have our masculine and feminine sides. We are living in a society that is emerging from a male-dominated society, hopefully emerging from a male-dominated society, to, I hope, one that is balanced. And historically, there have been female-dominated societies where men were subservient. There have been male-dominated societies where women were more subservient. I'm hoping that in this age of enlightenment, I'm hoping we're in, that it's going to be more even. And one of the great factors that's going to even it out is understanding that we both have these qualities and they're both, they both have strengths and weaknesses. And that as an individual, setting aside whatever organ I was born with, I can tap my masculine and feminine sides. Somebody's trying to call me, right? And that's what I want to talk about today is that in traditional society, men are raised to identify with masculine qualities and women are, are raised to identify with feminine qualities. Now we're seeing a lot less of that now. We're seeing there's permission for boys to play with dolls and for girls to play with trucks, but it isn't just about the toys, it's about the qualities. So let's talk about those qualities. And just to turn things on their head, we're gonna start with feminine qualities. So it is generally agreed in our society that feminine qualities, feminine, the feminine tends to be relationship oriented or process oriented. Now we associate that with women. Uh, some of the arguments have been that from an evolution perspective, because women have to carry children for nine months, 
they need to be there. They become more dependent. And because uh, human babies need at least, you know, a year, if not five before they start showing some independence, uh, they have to really, we really have to, someone has to really nurture those children. The theory is that women had to do that. And so they became more relationally oriented because child rearing requires relationships. It requires help from other people that, so the theory is that these feminine qualities evolved out of that context. Does it really matter where it evolved? No. What really matters is that we identify these as feminine qualities. So the feminine tends to be relationship oriented. It tends to be process oriented. Why is it process oriented? Because relationship isn't always about getting somewhere. The relationship is, can be a process in itself. It tends to be more collaborative. So since building relationship is about acknowledging mutual strengths and about leaning into one another, it's about getting that, oh, not, not even mutual strengths, separate strengths. We might have common strengths and separate strengths. If we're gonna lean into somebody else's strength, wow, so-and-so is so much better at math and I'm so much better at history. Maybe they can help me with my math and I can help with them their history. That's collaborative, working together instead of being competitive. Um, the relational approach to life, maybe we should throw out the word feminine and call it the relational approach to life. Like maybe what's really missing here is that we talk about this as masculine and feminine and we just need to throw those terms out. So the relational approach to life, I kind of like that. It's like a breakthrough moment. The relational approach to life is the recognition that real problems do not have a quick fix. So what that means is any problem, quote unquote problem, challenge, obstacle, hurdle, whatever you want to call it, has its roots in a lot of different areas. So there isn't a silver bullet or magic bullet that's going to destroy it. We have to understand where the roots are, what the relationships are that create and feed and nurture that challenge, obstacle, problem, whatever we want to call it, before we can take an action. It's recognizing and sharing emotion and viewing the recognizing and sharing of emotion as an important part of reaching consensus. We don't just reach consensus based on data. We reach it based on feelings. And actually the studies show that as rational as we all like to think we are, we actually make decisions from an emotional place. So what does that mean? That means we have a feeling about something. We make a decision and then we rationalize the decision and tell ourselves we're being rational and reasonable. So the relational approach acknowledges the importance of emotion. In a relational approach, once consensus is reached, there's not a lot of questioning about it because consensus has been reached. It's not a theory, it's not an idea, it's something that's been reached together. In the relational approach, challenges show up as new ideas or they might be a negative aspect of an old idea. In the relational approach, the process is more circular. So what do I mean by that? It means that in the relational approach, you might explore an idea with Tammy and then with Susie and then Tom and Joe, and then you might come back to Tammy and Susie and then back and you might be going in a circle, just working with that idea, going around and around, adding little pieces to it, building it up, taking pieces out. It's, it's not so much A plus B equals C. It's more 
A and B and C are all rolled together are going to take us back to A and B and C there. And eventually we might move to D from it. It's, it's a circular process. In the relational approach, skills are joined together in a complementary fashion. All right. So people bring in their skills and strengths. There's a complete focus on what's missing, what's needed, who has what's needed. It's far less competitive, far less about me more about us in the relational in the relational approach we're all about nurturing the culture because it's within the culture that the relationships are built and interestingly in the relational approach we're going to honor the individual but we don't honor the individual on their own we honor them in relationship to everyone and everything else so an example of this would be uh, Mary Kay Cosmetics. I'll give you a business example. Mary Kay Cosmetics, female owned company, very relationally oriented company. They reward their top salespeople with pink Cadillacs, diamonds and other gifts in their annual reward ceremony. Um, the ceremony, it actually rivals the crowning of Miss America and it has a similar vibe to it once a year. Thousands of Mary Kay consultants from around the world gather in Dallas, Texas to honor their own. They sing songs together. They've got Mary Kay songs. They sing them together, building that culture of unity, bringing that, building that relationship. They give tearful testimonials about how the company changed their lives. So it's not about what did I do for the company? It's about, oh my God, work at Mary Kay has changed my life, honoring the relationship. Uh, they also memorialize their founder, Mary Kay Ash, who died in 2001 at 83. They honor her as the creator of this really unique relational culture. It's very different than working at, let's say, oh, Exxon. All right, so on the other side, we've got what I started out calling masculine, but we're gonna call this the goal-oriented approach. And typically the goal-oriented approach is what we say men are about, but they don't have to be, is my point. So the goal-oriented approach is very simple. There's a specific goal and a specific outcome that we work towards. There is always a step-by-step -step plan. It's linear. It's a linear plan, A, B, C, D, not circular. There is a step-by-step -step plan. It's, it's, you know, we're always moving towards the goal. We're not, nothing circular. It's time grounded. This needs to be solved within a certain period of time. There's usually a single person in the lead, though we're seeing companies that have more of the relational qualities in them. This is sort of the classic goal-oriented company. Let's say this is what the 1950s were about. And to some extent, our corporate America and even our relationships at home are infected with this to some extent. Skill sets tend to be applied in a mechanized manner. So instead of having in the relational model, we have complementary skills working together to create a synergy. Um, each individual skill is applied as the process goes forward. Uh, and people are viewed as assets, not as people. They're viewed as an asset like a car or something like that. Leaders can be challenged in this system, and there's always a consequence for challenging the leader. Either you become the leader or you get squashed. Whereas in the relational system, leadership is based on how well do you facilitate group 
collaboration. Leadership in the relational model is about facilitating collaboration, encouraging skills and strengths to emerge. In the goal-oriented model, leadership is about holding the course and making sure that everyone's doing their job and buys into the vision. It's a culture of sacrifice. And as I said before, people are considered resources. So studies on masculinity or the goal-oriented cultures in our corporate world are showing that there are four norms which sort of define this that are highly dysfunctional in organizations, organizations which are really based on relationships. So the first is, and there's a, you're gonna know these, I'm gonna say them, you're gonna go, oh, duh. Show no weakness. It's a workplace that demands swaggering confidence. So you never admit doubt, you never admit, admit mistakes um, unless you see them as a way to moving forward. They're based on strength and stamina. They prize strong, even athletic people who are visionaries and driving, they're driving things forward like, on a, like in a sports team. <clears throat> they put work first. They're willing to sacrifice their family for their work. They also tend to live in a dog-eat-dog -dog environment. This is completely the opposite of that Mary Kay environment we were talking about earlier, right? So what we're seeing culturally is we're seeing a shift in where we now have women-owned companies that run on this relational model and we're seeing a lot of male-led companies that run on the goal-oriented model. So what the hell does this have to do with men and women? Well, what it has to do with is what we see in our culture, it's what we have going on in ourselves. And there are a ton of men out there who operate on this goal-oriented, I'm a man, this is what men do. This is how men think. And it's reinforced by our work culture. It is reinforced by our work culture. And we see many women who go into the male work culture and adopt the goal-oriented strategy and drop the relational model. And they're often judged harshly for it. Why is that? Unless they can out-masculine the guys, they're judged harshly, basically. But if they can out-masculine masculine them, uh, have you ever seen the show Suits? If you see the show Suits, the law firm is led by a woman who embodies the masculine principles. And she outmasculines everyone in that show. And they all, in the end, they all bow down to her. All right. But she can't have a relationship. She can't have a loving relationship with her partner in the show because she can never be straight with him. She's always outmasculining him. You know, and he doesn't embrace his feminine side enough to work with that. So if he embraced his feminine side more, that might work. But this is really what we're talking about today is men. So men tend to embrace this masculine side and guess what? It doesn't work very well with children. So what happens is men go to work and they come home and they have goal-oriented conversations with their children. How was school? What kind of grade are you getting? How was sports? Um, they and they tend to look at things from this lens. And children, by the way, don't really fall. They're absorbing 
the relational model. They're absorbing the goal-oriented model. They're actually somewhat asexual up to a certain age. So that doesn't have a lot of meaning for them. And so the so the let's get throw men and women out for a second. The partner who has the more feminine qualities or the relational qualities is the one who really makes the family mechanism work. I'm going to say this again. The partner who has the relational qualities is the one who really makes the family, I said mechanism, that's a very goal-oriented approach, who makes the family system and culture work. Because the partner that is busy engaging relationally with everyone and seeing how do they all fit together, how do little Tommy's strengths fit with Laura's strengths fit with Gabe's strengths fit with Gianna's strengths. How do they how do they work together? How can I pair them up as teams? How can I help them to build each other up? The person who's thinking about the development of each individual and the way they can help each other develop and grow and celebrating their wins, that's the one who really has the attention of the children. The one who is coming home and saying, oh, you got to be, well, maybe you should work on that, is the one who loses the attention of the children. And in our culture right now, because we are a very, we are shifting from a masculine-based culture to a more even culture, we hope, um, and we associate that goal-oriented approach with masculinity with men, men have, for the most part, been wearing these clothes. So let's talk about it that way. So what my challenge to men is that if you really want to embrace change in your life, if you really want to have the attention of your children and be important to them, we all need to start building the relational side of ourselves. And at first, this is going to be difficult. It represents a paradigm shift. And a paradigm is a way of looking at things, as you may know. If we work in companies that encourage us to have a goal-oriented approach to go step-by-step, step, to be linear, to measure things, uh, what can't be measured, uh, you know, can't be improved. That's that whole mindset. Um, then, and then we go home, we're going to have that mindset. So how do we jump out of this uh, goal-oriented approach into a more relational one? How indeed? I'm going to suggest to you that it's a slow process. First, we need to understand the distinction between the two, really explore it which is part of what this particular Rich in Relationship episode is about. We really understand how the difference between the two. Secondarily, we need to start to wear the clothes of a relational approach. So that would mean, that would mean learning to ask open-ended questions, for example. Uh, a goal-oriented goal approach tends to ask questions like, did you do the dishes? Did you take the test? Whereas a relational approach would ask, how did it go with the dishes today? Hey, I know you had a test today. What was that like for you? Right? A relational test asks open-ended questions that are going to explore what the other person's feeling. And then the next step is, as they share what their experience was, maybe they're not sharing their experiences because they're not sharing those with you. If you're there, if you're not hearing a feeling like mad, glad, sad, or afraid, the next step would be, how did that feel? Open-ended question. If they start saying, oh, it felt like I was kind of successful because they think that's what you want to hear. 
you could either ask them, well, I qualify feelings as mad, glad, sad, or afraid, or something like that. Which one of those would you add to it? And let them choose. So you want to encourage them to start having a conversation with you that they're not used to having. So whether you're a man or a woman who's got this goal-oriented approach, here are the words that I'm speaking. Number one, understand the relational approach. Number two, start showing relational interest in the people and the children, particularly the children in your lives. Start having open, asking them open-ended questions, exploring feelings with them. Next, validate them. Validation means just acknowledging what you heard. Wow, I heard that even though you didn't feel good about the test, you really tried your hardest. That's so good. You know, and if you want to help them a little, you might say, how could you make it different in the future? And let them come to the conclusion as opposed to, well, you know, when you don't do well in test, of course, you're not going to feel good. And what you need to do is prepare more. So let's talk about ways we can prepare. Do you hear the difference in that? One is being relational and allowing the other person to come up with what's inside of them, explore themselves, share themselves with you. The other is being directive. It's like the difference between, between being a coach and a consultant almost. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a place for the goal-oriented approach, approach in life, and there is a place for the relational approach in life. Ideally, what we wanna do is meld the two. You know, I think probably the strongest way to put this would be anytime there's a challenge, a problem, if we want to use that word. We want to look at it through both lenses. What would be a goal-oriented approach to this? What would be a relational approach to this? <clears throat> and the distinction here is that the goal-oriented approach is a great plan tool, planning tool, right? It's a great, the goal-oriented approach is a great, deals with abstractions. It deals with, all right, so this is what it looks like. It looks like there's A and B and C and we wanna to get to D and you know how could we facilitate that? And in your planning approach, you wanna incorporate relational concepts. Okay, in order to really go from A to B, we need to really understand the relationship between A, B and C. How can we explore those relationships? So the goal-oriented approach is abstract and concrete and measures things in time and space. And there is a strength to that. The relational approach is more experiential. It's grounded in feelings. It's grounded in making connection uh, and building connection. It's grounded in learning more about what's going on before an action is taken. So you can have both together. You can take a more goal-oriented approach. And the first step might be, we're gonna explore things relationally. Then we're gonna come back here and make some plans about next steps. And then in the next step process, we're gonna evaluate each step relationally. And as we go things relationally, we may find that those steps are out of sequence or need to be reordered. And then we're gonna jump back to this more abstract approach. You, you're feeling me here? It's about the, it's moving from the abstract to real life. And there is a place for this masculine um, dog eat dog thing, because let's face it, like in real life, right? That's, that happens. It doesn't always happen in our families, mind you. <laughs> and it doesn't always happen at work either. But it, it do, there are comp competitive environments where you do need to be ready to eat, eat the do other dog. <clears throat> there are times when we do need to put work first. There are times 
when we need to honor everyone around us. There are times when we need to have strength and stamina. There are times when we need to surrender and ask for help from people. There are times when we need to not show weakness when we're in that dog eat dog world. There are times when we need to recharge our battery and show all of our weakness to the people and it needs to be safe. And that safety is only created in a relational environment. Safety is rarely created in a goal environment, goal oriented environment. Are you starting to feel this? So um, I'm gonna be opening up a group for men sometime in May, and we're gonna go deep with this. We're gonna go deep with how do we bring more balance into our relationships? How can we bring more balance so that we're showing, and some of some men may be deep in the relational sphere and not so deep in the goal sphere. Some may be deep in the goal sphere and not in the relational sphere. How do, it's gonna be an exploration of how to blend these things. So if you have any interest in this, you can reach me at rich at richinrelationship.com. R-I-C-H at R-I-C-H-I-N-R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P.com. Or you can, if you're uh, hearing this on Facebook, you can direct message me. What are some other ways you could reach out to me? You could schedule some time with me through the following link, bit.ly forward slash end the fight, all one word, lowercase, E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T. And so as men, we're gonna learn to end the fight between being goal-oriented and relationally, and we're gonna blend them together. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me and we're probably gonna do some more work on this. This is a big topic and it's not really being addressed in a way that I feel is adequate, not in social media, not in um, the news, whatever that means, not so much even professionally. So with that, I say have an awesome tomorrow and let's work on balancing that goal-oriented and relational sides of ourselves so that we, give, we have full access to our children and our loved ones. Thank you.